Hello, I'm Toby Haydock, a dandy and a clown, as it happens. offered herself to me. She contacted my website, www.tobyhaydock.com, by the way. Have a look, or better still, get that neighbour of yours who played a monoid to, uh, to offer her services. She only worked on one story, she said, so she might not be of much use, she said. And of course she was. She was fabulous. Uh, so I'm glad I didn't put her request on ice. no pressure and if you want to start something again or whatever just do because I can edit so um, well this is a delight I'm an exclusive somebody that has never spoken about Doctor Who before uh, who got in touch with me on the internet having seen my ludicrous quest online so I'm going to ask her who she is and why she's talking to me about Doctor Who well my name is Sheena Rayford Um, that's my married name I was Sheena Tuckwell back in the 1960s and I worked on Doctor Who and the Ice Warriors and um, I was the producer, well it was production secretary we were called and then we became producer's assistants, that was the title Um, but basically I worked as part of the production team uh, assisting the director and the other two members of the team which was the PA and the AFM and uh and the interesting thing is that you found me online and you dropped me in a note saying I, I worked on six not very classic episodes of Doctor Who. So one, how did you find out about this and what, what made you interested in doing it? And two, why is, why is the Ice Warriors not very classic? Oh my goodness, well, um, why aren't they very classic? Well, they didn't, the Ice Warriors, to answer that question, didn't become one of those sort of iconic um, alien creatures that Doctor Who is known for. It wasn't like, what are they called? I can't remember. The, the Daleks. Daleks, yes, yes. Um, it was the, was the first, I believe it was the first episode with, with the Ice Warriors. It was and indeed, I, yeah. And I didn't, wasn't aware that there was ever any others with Ice Warriors in. Oh no, you they have, have, they have come back. They have, they yes. have. Oh right, in the same same costumes because what I remember significant about the Ice Warriors is that they were very tall and so they we needed actors who were well over six foot I think and Bernard Breslau was picked out as the lead Ice Warrior who was quite well known at the time I can't remember how expensive he was I wouldn't be able to answer that but the sad thing about Bernard Preslow being picked because of his name is that you couldn't see him and his voice was distorted as well because the Ice Warrior costume was completely encased them. So it was uh, like a big reptile. That's what it was, sort of, I don't know, alligator something. But it, they, were, they weren't just creatures, they were bionic. They had flashing lights and things and, That's right, yeah. and, and, a, and a distorted voice. So famous Bernard Breslau was not really to be seen or to, to be heard either. Um, so that's what I remember significantly about that. Um, you asked me yes, what, part what, of this question. Yeah, how, how, how you sort of stumbled across this project and what made you want to do it? Uh, I stumbled across this project, well, it was passed on to me, your, your name and your um, link was passed on to me by my daughter, 
Natalie Rayford, who um, works in the film industry and it has obviously all sorts of um, contacts and feelers out and picks up things like this. And she, obviously, she knew once upon a time my claim to fame is having worked on Doctor Who. Uh, <laughs> and in fact, I did have some photographs, um, some um, pi- pictures taken, certainly of Fraser Hines and um, who was the lead? Um, Patrick. No, not Patrick. Well, it's Patrick um, Troughton. And the other lead character there. Debbie, Debbie Watling. Debbie Watling. Peter Barkworth. Peter Barkworth. Was in it. Is, yes, I had some photographs taken on set of all of those. And I think, I think what happened to them is that my daughter at university had a friend who was also a very, very keen Doctor Who fan. She borrowed my photographs to show him. And I've never seen them since. <laughs> right, well, if he's a keen Doctor Who fan, he'll be listening to this podcast. Give Sheena Rayford her pictures from the Ice Warriors back. <laughs> well, it may be that he hasn't got them and that they're just buried somewhere, but I don't think they are, because I get... Well, anyway, I forgive him... Forgive me if he hasn't got them, but yes. <laughs> <laughs> or if my daughter still has them, but she claims she hasn't, so there you go. But anyway, so I have nothing to show for that, unfortunately. What I do have is I do have a tape of the Doctor Who scene. A, one of the quarter-inch tapes, yeah. a, reel, a reel of tape with that on. Probably can't play it anymore, but it's it's one of my little sort of treasures. The genuine memento from genuine, 60s Doctor yes, Who. Yes, a real hard piece of evidence that <laughs> I worked on Doctor Who. That's about the only thing I've got left of Doctor Who, yeah. And so how had you got to that point? How had you, and, and how had you got to be, you were a production secretary, did you, director's assistant? Yes, yes. I, I joined the BBC after doing um, A-levels and a secretarial course. I went straight in to work in radio production and then when I was old enough I, I think you had to be about 21 to actually apply to work in television to do the same job in television so that's that's how I got into working in television started in schools then moved over to drama um, and had a very short period in further education working on a series about oceanography and then back to drama I was only there in, in television for three years in total but um, yes, it was a good time well, yes, well, I mean, uh, uh, people like me get very nostalgic, even though it was before I was born, for this idea of not only working at the BBC in those halcyon days, but also working at the BBC in the 1960s, and the 1960s was brilliant. I mean, is, yes. is, that, is that too much nostalgia, or was it actually like that? <laughs> no. <laughs> um, I worked, yes, the 60s was just about beginning to happen, because I was there from 63 to 65 working for the BBC. So, yes, I mean, it was all very exciting, London in the 60s. Um, but only just taking off and only just filtering through Um, and um, but yes it did feel that you were working working in television centre poor television centre whose demise I think uh, we all know about Um, it was you did feel that it was something special working there yes yes you you, to say you worked for the BBC everyone sort of uh, you know stood back and listened and uh, wanted to know exactly what you were doing and, and yeah, it was good And you um, you're, you were assisting a, a prolific and much admired Doctor Who director Derek Martinez, do you remember Derek? I remember Derek quite well uh, yes, Derek. I, yeah, I, I do remember Derek and I, I think I worked, also worked with him on a um, one, a costume drama, um, What Maisie Knew. Yes, I worked with Derek on that. So I did do, and I might even have done Z cars with him, I can't remember. So yes, I did I did work with him. Um, 
but I didn't get to know him personally really. He was quite a um, self-contained person, I would say. Yes, a few actors that I've spoken to, it's interesting because he always got very good actors on his shows, but a few actors that I've spoken to have said, yeah, he was a good director, but he was quite aloof. Yes, yes, yes. You couldn't, you couldn't have a laugh with him. Right. <laughs> um, no, he, he, uh, professional, yeah, very professional. Um, but, uh, yes, I didn't get to know him as a person, even though I worked with him quite a bit. And what would your... What would your job have involved for the uh, the uninitiated? For the uninitiated, my my role on the team, the first part was the casting and contacting agents and things and, and getting people in for auditions and um, to talk and, uh, and so getting the that set up, getting the, the cast. Um, gosh, it's it's quite. I'm going back a long way now. Mm. Um, so all of the sort of paperwork around bookings of. of um, uh, film lots and studios and things. A lot of that was done actually because it was already set up. It was a, a series in, in motion that just carried on and on. <clears throat> um, I was responsible for um, once we'd got that set up, um, booking film locations and things like that, and um, on filming. <clears throat> Excuse me. Uh, continuity was my responsibility. So also part of the overall responsibility is making sure that the programme was the right length. That was down to me to keep the stopwatch going. And um, so on filming, there was continuity, which meant you you wrote up all the details of every shot. Well, you, you first you set up the shot list and everything, and the film schedule and things like that. Um, so that was for the filming part, and then once you got into the studio, we went through rehearsals, and then the film sections, when you went into the studio to record the programme, the film sections had already cut, were sort of um, uh, <coughs> run in, you, you, you ran so much at the studio, and then you ran in the film slots, and there was a pause, and then you did a bit more, so the whole thing was then recorded in one go. I'd be sitting up in the gallery with the director and the vision mixer, um, calling the shots, saying which cameras we were coming to, whether we were coming to telecine, the film, saying how long that would be, um, and just generally timing the whole thing to make sure it didn't overrun, and sort of making points along the script, along through the process of the recording of the programme to see, you know, where, where the timing was going. So that, that, that was so important. Um, it was an important part of filming for, for BBC broadcast and it had to be exactly the right length you couldn't have it too long or too short there was no margin not much margin because it had to fit into that slot um, and then post-production uh, trying to think what are, just releasing payments and things like that so I think that's, that about covers everything I must have forgotten so multitasking I mean it's a lot of different skill sets yes there are, yes yes you're right yes um, and of course because Productions in those days, as you've alluded, were a mixture of film and um, then pretty much continuous studio recording. Yes. As film stop and start. Yes. So did, did you have a, a, a preference to the film studio work or the, the, the sort of almost as live um, recording? I, I never. Well, I never did any actual live programmes, although some of the Z cars originally were actually went out live. But I never did that. Where I was uh, at the time of video recording, so recording four inch, three, four inch tape. Um, 
but so I never did any programs. I always did programs that were recorded in the studio. All the all the dramas that I worked on actually ended up recorded in the studio, but with film inserts. The film inserts for the Ice Warriors were filmed in Ealing on a lot with polystyrene snow and things like that. Um, so there was no absolutely no location filming for that for that at all. Um, and and then yes, it was it, it was quite exciting, quite tense because you had you know you had limited amount of time in the studio and you had to get it in the can in that time. And you you did rehearsals and run throughs and then you did the, the dress run and then the, the recording time and you only had so many, so much recording time allocated to get that in the can and you you didn't stop and start you tried to do it as a complete run and if something went wrong then you did start and, and stop and go back and do that bit again but it it then had to be cut the the um the tape had to then be edited so yeah. you you didn't want too many stops and starts you you wanted to do it as if it was live really and what i could. That's what I recall. And it's um, you, you mentioned it's uh, the, the polystyrene snow. The sets the sets are quite impressive actually for for sixties Doctor Who. Is it? I, I've, you have no idea. I haven't seen it. Did you say that there you there's a DVD going to be? There, there is a DVD going to be released. Yes, um, of course. The four out of six episodes exist. So it's it's been left till near the end because it's oh, not right. quite complete. Right. Where did they find them? That's... They found them at a cupboard at BBC Enterprises. Really? Yeah. And just the four? Just which, the four out of the six. Which ones are missing, the ep- beginning or the end? Uh, episodes two and three, the middle. Oh, right. Um, so we missed the scenes where the, uh, the warriors thaw out of the ice, sadly. Do you know, I cannot remember the story at all. I can't. You, I think the problem is you get too close to it. You're too mm. involved in the in the, the detail and the nitty-gritty. That it's the director that's the one that has the overall view of it. Sure. But us, Minions working, we're, you know, we're, it's the detail that matters. Did the Minions get to consort with Patrick Troughton? Hmm, did they? Well, I didn't. Because um, I, I mean, the, the only, well, the, the, the chances that the productions team got to mix with the actors would be on filming, if you were filming on location in particular, um, you'd all be mucking in together. Um, then it went into re- rehearsal in some sort of church hall somewhere, so all the acting rehearsals happened outside of the, 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 the studios. Um, and uh, I didn't have to need much presence there because it was really, you know, that was the director's job. Came along occasionally for to actually verify the timing, how things were going. You did the first run through, read through to see what, how long it was and then the final ones. So no, I didn't really get to know Patrick Troughton either <laughs> or, or many of the actors. No, not really, no. Um, but um, lest we forget, because for some reason you only did the six episodes of Doctor Who but you were at the BBC for three years and you did a lot of Z cars which now is, you know, a, a classic. Yes, I, um, and there again, I can't remember which episodes I worked on, but quite a few Z cars, yes. I was at television for three years, so apart from um, that and the... Uh, what else did I work on? Um, some crime serials um, with Alan Bromley, I think his name was. Who oh, was, yes. Yes, yes, I worked with him. Oh, do you remember Alan? Because yes, he did a couple yes. of Doctor Who's and, and sadly was, was, was removed from one of them. Really? Yeah. Oh, now that's very interesting, yes. Um, yes, no, Alan was the most 
well-organised director that I ever worked with. He knew every detail of what he was going to do before he did it, and it was all down on paper. Uh, and he, he was, I think he had an executive role as well, he wasn't just a director. That's right, yeah, yes. he produced um, yeah. Out of the Unknown, for yeah. example. Yes. He, did, yes. he did produce and went back to directing, yes. and it was quite late in his career that he... He did the Doctor Who. Oh, was it? Didn't, yes. Didn't happen. Right. Okay. Right. Yeah. Yes. A very strong character. Very strong. Yes. Yeah. If Alan sticks out, that's good because yes. that's that's something that yes, nobody has, has, yes. has really yes. talked of in yes. certain Doctor Who terms. We, we did. Um, I can't think of the name of the. Was it? it yes. It was a sort of crime detective thing, and we we filmed down in the West Country. Um, but um, that was a really good experience because it was so well organised. For so many of the programmes you work on, you feel is it you know you're you're flying by the seat of your pants? Is it you know mm. you're not sure if it's going to happen? You know it, it it sort of damage limitation half the time, and and it doesn't end up being quite perfect because everything's not quite well organised enough. But that that's my experience. Always thinking, gosh, is this going to be? Is this going to actually? be as good as it could be. I think that's that's what I felt, yes. Very little, interesting little anecdote about the Ice Warriors, though. Uh, if you have episode one, I think it was in episode one, there's a, a bear, a brown bear. Oh, the bear, there's yes. a brown bear. Well, the script called for a polar bear, and it was supposed to be on on the film set a polar bear but as you may well realise you don't bring a polar bear anywhere into a film studio um, and there, there was some dilemma as to how we were going to make it into a polar bear because it's obviously supposed to be in the Arctic mm. and not brown, not a brown bear at all but uh, we ended up with a very small brown bear who looks a lot bigger because of the way that it was shot but uh, it was supposed to be a polar bear yeah, because you didn't you didn't want Peter Salis to get eaten. <laughs> no, exactly. Or any of us, really. No. But when we first, when it was first read in the script, nobody had any idea that it was going to be a problem. Or maybe they did. I don't know. But uh, yeah, the AFM and the PA were sort of charged with solving that one. And even getting a bear at all, I think, was quite an achievement. Well, yeah, because stock footage might have been what. what yes, yes. But no, done, we did but... have a real bear in there, prowling through the undergrowth. I'm not quite sure what undergrowth there was supposed to be in the Arctic. I think it was set in the Arctic, I don't know. Well, it was the Ice Age, so... Oh, it was, oh sorry, it was, yeah, the it was Ice sort Age, of covered, yes. so... But you don't get much undergrowth in, no. in the ice, do you? No. no. Anyway. We'll, have, well, we'll have to get the bears. I'll see, see if I can track the bear down for these podcasts and yes. see, <laughs> see what he has to say. Um, my, my sister, who was a child of nine when I was working on it, I must have had a script at home at one point, and she, the other day, clearly remembered reading on this script... Avalanche scene, shake camera, throw debris about. And that was the limit of the instructions. 60s Doctor Who in a microcosm. <laughs> so, but you stopped working at the BBC, so what happened, what happened there? Why did you leave Why television? Why did I leave? Because I did the classic thing of getting married and uh, moving to where my husband was working, which was too far away at that time. And then by the time it was convenient for me to come back and I started to um, produce my daughters so and then it got hard became harder and harder um, to actually come back to to I was I think at the time I was aware how much of a challenge it was to have a social life apart from the BBC apart from working you know, cohorting with the people that you worked with it was quite hard and certainly for a woman with married with children it was even harder so I never did I never did go back 
and I, I, I completely reinvented myself. I did a degree and then a master's degree and ended up uh, being a university lecturer. At, um, and then uh, I retired about seven or eight years ago altogether. So, yes, so that was what happened to me. I, I ended up teaching in a business school. I did a degree in psychology and, uh, and then artificial intelligence and ended up teaching information management to business study students and working a lot with exchange students exchange on exchange programs and students who travel around Europe a lot doing that so something completely different an, yes, yes an, an eclectic array of, <laughs> yes of I've, I've had several uh, lives whereas I think when I said to you you know in one of my lives a long long time ago I worked on Doctor Who and that, that is a lot you know, that, that's how it feels it was a long time ago another life really yes. and well so I'm very grateful that you've come to, to agree to talk to me about it and can you can you understand the success and interest in the show um well, yeah, yes, I, yes, I, because it did have that sort of quiet period where nothing much happened. I can't remember. Yeah, it was yes, taken off. Yeah, it was, yeah. it was taken off. Um, and my children, my daughters are now around about forty each. Two, two daughters coming up to forty and just past forty. And I'm sure they must have seen it and they enjoyed it behind from behind the sofa, as they say. Um, and but now I think because of production techniques and filming techniques are so much better. It, it, it is so much more um, exciting, I think, than it was then. Although, as that's how it appears to me. I mean, I, I was a fan when it first started, um, way, way back. Um, but I suppose it, because it has been able to change and evolve with the different actors and take different forms, it has moved with the times and still, but still has that core of sort of... Um, sci-fi interests that appeals I think I don't know but that's well and you say you're a fan when it started it of course started which is we're doing the 50th anniversary it started I don't know if you know this the day after the assassination of John F. Kennedy did it so really? do you everybody says they can remember where they were yes I do yes because I was working in um, BBC Radio at the time 1963, November 63. Yeah. Yes, and but I remember exactly where I was sitting when the, listening to the radio, hearing the news, hearing the announcement at, at seven o'clock that he'd been shot, and then waiting to the end of the news at 7:30 to say he was dead. And I, you know, I remember sitting through that. Yes. So that was the day after the first yeah. one. So I wasn't I wasn't a child then. So no. I no, was, no. Yes. Kennedy was shot on the 22nd, and Doctor Who started on the 23rd. Gosh, yes. And I was 63, 19. Mm. And, well, it's very kind of you to come and share your memories and uh, to have got in touch in the first place and you've given your time and, and the listeners have not paid for this, so I ask you to nominate a charity, if you would. And the charity I would nominate is Mind for Mental Health because that's quite dear to my heart. And the final question, which is uh, you can answer as seriously, as frivolously as you like, Doctor Who fans are listening to these and they're very fascinated by all the tales we're getting I hope so do you have a message for the Doctor Who fans out there in this 50th year I'll just keep watching I suppose yes yes let's keep it going let's here's to the next 50 I suppose yes I wonder what form that will take Sheena well, Rayford you got in touch with me and you weren't sure if your memories would be uh, uh, long or interesting and they were both so uh, thank you very much for your time well thank you I'm glad to hear they were thank you okay Brilliant, thanks very much. I hope that was alright for you.
thanks to Sheena, whose charity is Mind, www.mind.org.uk. My next jaunt goes right over to the other side of the world to a delightful fellow who was in the first episode of Doctor Who that I can remember watching. So I'm delighted that a contact has been made. Uh, that's next time. Until then, um, podcast at bigfinish.com, uh, Twitter at bigfinish, at Toby Haydock, etc., etc., ad infinitum. Coming soon from Big Finish Productions Doctor Who, The Lost Stories. The Dark Planet. Welcome to our city. Welcome to the city of the light. Relighting a sun? Isn't that uh, rather ambitious? My ambition is not your worry. That is why it must be guarded from the shadows. They are base creatures. They will be no more when Numia sees its eternal dawn. Deep underground, beneath the traveller's feet, below the surface of the planet, something felt their presence. The rock cemented in his grasp. Vicky, come away! Where are you? I, I, I can't find you. They burn all who are unlike them. Then we've got to get in there. Can you help us? Subscribers get more at bigfinish.com.